You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to the Repack. I'm Justice Mosqueda. Uh, I'm not joined here this week by Evan Text Western. I'm going to do this as a little solo show, um, probably a shorter show than uh, most of the time. Um, there is nothing to repack because there is not a Green Bay Packers game that happened this weekend. So instead, what I'm going to do, um, I solicited on Twitter, uh, which is obviously you know the best source of communication. I think we can all agree on that. Um, some questions. So we're going to have kind of like a little mailbag episode. Um, just kind of want to put it moving forward. If any of you listeners uh, ever have a question for us, like if you put it in the reviews, let's do it that way. If you put it in the reviews, I'll make sure that question's answered at some point, either on the, you know, the Friday show or the Monday show, um, the two that I'm on. So let's get that out of the way. Um, I want to touch a couple things before I get into the mailbag questions, just because a couple things have happened that, you know, will impact the Green Bay Packers moving forward. Um, in terms of the Packers news, Jonathan Garvin was pulled off of the uh, reserve COVID list, so that should give him another outside linebacker. Um, there hasn't been any news on Devondre Campbell's status, so I guess the assumption is that he probably is unvaccinated. That was something that wasn't um, confirmed or denied, uh, mostly because the Packers are on a bye week. I think we probably would have gotten confirmation otherwise. So if he is unvaccinated, he's going to be on the same kind of 10-day plan that Aaron Rodgers was on which means that he'll probably come back before uh, next week's game against the Chicago Bears, and uh, he should be able to play against Chicago again unless there's some sort of hiccup uh, w- with his situation, um, which, again, we haven't heard at all. Um, also worth noting, the uh, Packers are 12.5-point favorites against Chicago this week, which is, you know, they're they're the heaviest favorites um, this week, you know, of their entire season. Uh, the only other time that they cracked double digits in terms of this point spread was against the Detroit Lions, who just came off of their first win of the season. Um, other Packers news, the only other thing I would say is Darius Smith's Instagram post, where he basically said, like, hey, me and Jair like, might be coming back very soon. It's something that Aaron Andrews talked about um, in the uh, the game before the bye. Uh, she had mentioned that, like, the week after, you know, they might be able to return, which I thought was notable and Hadn't been reported anywhere else, so I don't know how she got that information unless it was like in um, production meetings or something like that. But Jair post or uh, Zadarius posted a photo of him and Jair, um, basically saying that you know their their time to come back is soon, and you know hopefully it is. Jair um, has been seen without um, that shoulder brace. Uh, he's been seen doing ladder drills. Zadarius is now back in Green Bay, also. So, I mean, those are positive things. I don't know if it's going to be this week, but um, something to watch moving forward. In the NFC, I would say the biggest things that happened today, um, as, as I kind of covered with Charles McDonald on the Friday show when we ran down the, the NFC and kind of what the playoff situation kind of looks like, the big four teams to remember in all of this, because Green Bay is basically in, Tampa's basically in, 
the the Cowboys are basically in. Arizona now officially is in, and the Rams are basically in. So that's five of the of the seven spots in the NFC that have essentially been decided at this point. And I know seeding matters, but just from like a what team gets in the playoffs perspective, the four teams to watch out for are San Francisco, Minnesota, Washington, and Philadelphia. Two of those teams are going to get into the you know NFC playoffs. San Francisco lost to uh, Seattle in a tight one. I still think the way that their their schedule shapes out, they're still in a very good spot to uh, get the sixth seed. So I, I wouldn't put San Francisco, you know, on the brink of you know missing the playoffs just yet. With that being said, that means that you know that trio of Minnesota, Washington, Philadelphia, only one of those teams is going to get in, right? Um, Minnesota just lost to Detroit again, a winless Detroit team heading into that game. Uh, Washington upset the Las Vegas Raiders, which kind of gives them, uh, you know, a fresh breath of life, I guess you would say. And then Philadelphia, despite starting Gardner Minshew, was able to beat the New York Jets. So that race is very much on at this point. I would say the leader for me would probably be Philadelphia, just because Minnesota lost that game to Detroit. I had already chalked up that as a win for Minnesota um, and had Minnesota winning in a tiebreaker situation at the end of the season with Philadelphia. Now that doesn't seem to be the case, and Washington also won a game that I didn't assume that they were going to win. So things are changing a little bit in the NFC. I would say, you know, right now, the way it looks, it's going to be harder for Green Bay to get that one seed unless Arizona doesn't look good down the stretch now that, you know, Kyler's back on the field. Um, if they get the two seed, that then means that seven seed race becomes very important for Green Bay Packers fans. And at this point, I think, you know, the Eagles ha- kind of have that inside lane um, ahead of the Vikings, which is probably what Packers fans want to hear. Getting into these questions, um, this is the first one that came up. Uh, basically, I got sent this as a DM, and then I was like, oh, I should just do a mailbag for, uh, you know, Sunday night slash Monday's uh, podcast. Uh, Brian Pulaski asked me, can you explain how NFL headsets work, if you know? Are there are all the coaches on the same channel, or do they have one partner in the booth? Can they change channels? Is the field comms helmet separate channel too. I know that cuts out with 15 seconds left on the play clock. Yes. So channels do change. Um, that specifically matters more for the head coach. He's really the only one who's switching channels. So when he's on the field, he needs to be able to communicate with the offense. When the offense is out there, when the defense is out there, he needs to talk with the defense. When special teams is out there, he needs to know what's going on. So there are switches. Um, if any of you listeners, uh, have coached like high school ball. You guys know what I'm talking about. There's multiple channels. You can merge the channels, all that into one headset. Um, There's someone controlling that, you know, in the booth, but I assume at the NFL level, um, you know, those power packs uh, probably uh, can adjust some of that as in terms of the player communication. um, A lot of that is one singular person. Um, So I believe that the way it works out is like almost in the same way that like one player gets the green dot there's almost like a coach who has a green dot because you only want one ear uh, or, or one voice in that quarterback's ear. So it's basically, you know, a line from one coach to one player while the – and it's a one-way conversation, right? Like the, the player can't talk back to the coach. Um, so that means, you know, the coach's ears are the offensive channel while he's talking to a quarterback who can only hear the offensive coordinator, for example, if that makes any sense. So – yeah, so like an offensive coordinator would be able to listen to the other offensive coaches, not hear the quarterback while he is talking to the quarterback, 
uh, if that makes any sense. Hope that clears that some stuff up. I know, you know, college football is probably going to get um, headsets uh, relatively soon. Um, I guess that would kind of depend on uh, how fast college football moves towards autonomy, I, I guess is the right word, um, for the top teams. I don't think it's something that is like going to be there for FCS schools, and it may not even be there for the G5. Um, but if the P5 ever like officially breaks away, I think that would be a very fast uh, change that would be made. Um, just because of the money is why I'm saying it wouldn't happen in the FCS or the G5. But there are coaches. Um, when I worked with the XFL, like we heard from uh, David Shaw, who's on the competition committee for college football. Um, he was obviously very close to many people in the XFL who were affiliated with Stanford in some way or another, right? Like the, uh, who, what was his official title? I think he was this C I don't know. I don't know what luck was. Um, I can't remember if he was CEO or, or what, or what it was, but you know, obviously he played his son, Andrew Luck played a uh, quarterback for David Shaw, um, Sam Schwartzstein, who I worked with a lot. Um, and you know, has come on the show before, uh, he, he was Andrew Luck center, you know, at Stanford. So, you know, there were a bunch of Stanford guys in the room who had communicated with Shaw Shaw on the competition committee was hearing all these people. Cause it was the year after, uh, the Joe Burrow season at LSU where LSU was just notably just basically like their coaches, their entire coaching sideline was just stealing signals 24 seven. And it's something that you can't do once headsets are, are allowed on the field. Once headsets are on the field, there is no sign stealing because you're just talking to the quarterback and you're getting into a huddle and stuff like that. Um, a lot of like the, uh, the stuff that like Belichick got in trouble for, uh, for filming um, signals from the sideline and using it in game uh, came in an era where uh, the defense didn't have a green dot. Only the offense had a green dot, which is why you were trying to steal signals from the defensive side of the ball. Um, once they got a green dot, that no longer became a problem. So that's something that, you know, might happen in college football. But this is a Packers podcast, so let's talk about the Packers. Um, Sean Farrell says, uh, Packers one-seed odds since afternoon games are finished. The Packers are still second in terms of one-seed odds. That's not just in the NFC, but in the NFL uh, in general. They have a 33% chance to get the first seed um, according to 538. Um, I'm just using 538 because it's easy. The Arizona Cardinals are number one at 44%, and the Tennessee Titans are the top AFC team at 27%. So the Packers are still in a pretty good spot to get a bye. The problem is Arizona just needs to lose more games. I mean, the Packers are just behind a game. They have a tiebreaker, but they're behind a game. So maybe next week against the Los Angeles Rams. I know, you know, Kyler just got healthy, but it looked like Stafford, from what I saw, wasn't able to dive into it pretty deep. But Stafford looked fairly healthy against uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars, so I think that's kind of interesting. Um, if they can drop that game, I think that would put Green Bay in a great spot because I don't anticipate them losing the Chicago Bears when, you know, Justin Fields is coming off of, uh, you know, broken ribs or Andy Dalton is starting. And Andy Dalton just threw, I think, four interceptions this past game. Uh, for whatever it's worth, um, 538 also has Arizona and Green Bay tied for number one in terms of uh, winning the Super Bowl at 15%. And the number three team is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at 14%. So, if you want to take away anything, it's that the AFC, it's not, not looking so hot right now. Um, bet big on the NFC. We do, I talked about that with uh, Tex a couple weeks ago when we were breaking it down and talking about the playoffs and who's contending. You know, we were both like, you know, if you give us the, you know, NFC minus 200, we'd probably take that money line at that point. That was a couple weeks ago. 
Um, next question, Tyler Nielsen says, obviously a small sample size, but do you think Love can be a serviceable starter if Rodgers leaves next year? Um, one, I don't think Rodgers leaves next year for a couple of reasons. One, he said he doesn't have autonomy next year in terms of deciding where he's going to go um, in terms of landing spot. So he would basically have to retire to get out of you know his situation. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, based off of his recent comments of saying like, hey, this team reminds me of that Super Bowl run team. And, you know, coming off of the OBJ comments or OBJ trade saying like, I'm happy that we're having conversations with these guys and I understand why we didn't land them. Um, just kind of seems like he's happier than he was in August. Um, also, after that Bears game where he's talking about, you know, that's probably not my last time going into Soldier Field. Like he's kind of dropping hints that he's happier than he was uh, this summer. So one, I don't think that he's going to leave, but can love be a serviceable starter? I think so. I think the offense has to change and develop an identity around him though. Um, a lot of the things that they try to do with Aaron are Aaron specific. I think a lot of those things got exposed against the Kansas, Kansas city chiefs, which Spagnolo runs a very aggressive style of defense. Um, the Packers answer was to try to complete shots against it. And they just weren't able to complete those shots. So they thought, they were going to be able to complete some balls with Jordan Love under center that they simply were not able to. Um, that's an important takeaway, and that's something that you need to adjust from. So I wouldn't say, like, I'm out on Jordan Love, but I certainly don't think that he's ready to take over from Aaron right now if Aaron's going to be playing like a you know MVP-caliber quarterback, um, at least, you know, soon. Uh, Brett Ariyama? I think is how you say that name. I'm sorry if I said the last name wrong. I am a bozo who also has a hard last name to uh, pronounce. Um, what's your ideal five-man line group for the Green Bay Packers? If healthy, I mean, I would have thought, you know, Jenkins in for, for Newman um, is basically what I would have thought and, you know, flip Runyon out to right guard. But now that that isn't possible, I, w I would think multiple times about – getting Lucas Patrick to play guard if Josh Myers is healthy. Because I think your best line might be Bakhtiari, Runyon, Myers, Lucas Patrick, Billy Turner, at least at this point in the season. Just because I can't imagine Nyman taking snaps from either Billy Turner or David Bakhtiari when they are healthy. Um, I think that's a tough thing to ask Billy to do. He is playing his best ball of his career at right tackle right now. He is, if you look at any of the like advanced stats, he is looking like a top five uh, right tackle this year in terms of pass protection. I think that's very hard to ask that guy to move into guard at this point in the season when he hasn't been practicing there. And at times he's been the only healthy guy and the guy that you hang your hat on at right tackle. I just don't think you can do it. Um I don't think Nyman can play another position other than tackle, and I don't think you would want him in there over Buck. So it's just a tough position where, you know, three of your best offensive linemen are tackles, and you don't really want to move any of them, you know, inside. It stems the break sometimes. You know, Nyman was a surprise. It's not like they're spending a ton of assets on him. You know, I'm sure there's going to be a point in the season where they're going to need to rely on Nyman again, you know, once Bakhtiari does come back, if he does come back. Um, they already leaned on him a lot. I think he's made four starts this season, which is kind of absurd for a backup tackle who's been playing, you know, that well. Um, as the fourth guy, remember, you know, Jenkins was the third guy too. So I just, yeah, I just can't imagine Nyman really gets in the lineup. But I do understand the concern 
<laughs> for Packers fans because I am also tired of watching Royce Newman uh, start. He, he's a young player. I'm sure he'll get better, but he sure looks like a rookie guard who was playing in that Lane Kiffin system where, you know, it's kind of fake football for, for better or worse. Um, let's see. Tom Carter's. Will the offense ever look as good as it did last year? It doesn't matter. So that's a question that I think is a broader question than people realize. So will the offense look as good as it was last year? I think a lot of teams are playing a lot more too high in the league. Um, it's taking away shot plays. It's incentivizing quick game throws. It's incentivizing run game throws. It's incentivizing play action, but at a more kind of limited uh, clip in terms of like shot plays. Um, and that's something that's happening league-wide. It's because of the quarterbacks that they're facing. They're tired of getting bombed by Patrick Mahomes. They're tired of getting bombed by Aaron Rodgers. They're tired of getting bombed by Josh Allen, um, Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, guys who are dynamic, Justin Herbert, right? Um, guys who can throw um, deep deep shots. The, the NFL really went into a single high league after the Seattle Seahawks, like, lead you to boom stuff. Um, it was widespread around the league in terms of the defense, a lot of teams lost a lot of football games playing playing that style of defense because they didn't have that front that Seattle had. Uh, they realized, hey, we need basically elite pass rushers, um, two of them, to be able to get this done. There's not as many pass rushers as are demanded in the league, and the defense is slowly fading away. And it's going into a too-high-structure league, which is, again, kind of nerfing some of these explosive plays by the quarterbacks. So I don't think it's necessarily a Green Bay issue. Um, I think their offense is operating very well outside of Newman and kind of the tight end questions. It's hard for me to kind of pick holes at this Green Bay team when they are healthy. Um, you know, MVS coming back and being that deep shot guy is very important. But I don't think they're going to be as good as, as they were last year. Does it matter? I think no, because I think everyone's drop uh, is dropping in play in terms of the offense. Um, some of that might be correlated to like, empty stadiums, I guess, and, like, the offense being able to communicate more clearly and stuff like that. But there's been a drop-off, I believe, of, like, a full touchdown um, from last year's averages, you know, per game to this year's. And I, I think the two high structures have a lot to do with that. Uh, All20Q, also known as Justin Fields' apologist, says, do Lions fans have a chance to be as annoying on a per-day basis after this win as Michigan's fans will be for the rest of the month? No chance. I, I don't, Lions fans, let them live. They just, they finally got one win. Dan Campbell seems like a guy who's connecting with his players. He seems like a half-decent dude. Let, let him do his thing. Let, let them do their thing. They have Jared Goff at quarterback. They're not a threat to anyone. Let them live. Michigan fans, on the other hand, are going to be very annoying. And you know what? I'm kind of okay with that. I know the Wisconsin fans probably uh, are going to cringe hearing that. But I'm just happy Ohio State didn't win the Big Ten again. So... I'm happy with it. Anyone who can contend with Ohio State and kind of beat them up in a championship game or, you know, a championship scenario like they did during rivalry week, I'm going to root for them for at least a week. Uh, Schlong Connery says, uh, what's the Packers draft strategy? Taking low suggests BPA, but, do they really, but did they really think Dylan was BPA at a spot? Do they just overvalue the running back position? I don't think they overvalue the running back position at all. I mean, Aaron Jones obviously got money. Um, AJ Dillon got drafted high outside of that, man. Like you gotta remember, this is an extension of the Ted Thompson, Ron Wolf tree of kind of drafting players and how they value guys. Like they draft 
very similarly um, outside of certain picks like Jair Alexander being a short corner and stuff like that. Running back has always kind of been an issue for those guys because they never invested in it much, right? Like like uh, linebacker and tight end are probably the other two positions. So I wouldn't say they overvalue the running back position. I think they just knew our top two running backs were free agents, you know, and who knows what could have gotten, like if Aaron Jones turns down their contract offer, they would they have brought back Jamal Williams? I don't know. It, it's hard to say, but. Yeah, I, I think that was more of a situation where they just realized we have two holes in our depth chart that are going to come up very soon, so we need to at least plug in one of them. And they were able to do that uh, a year early, which is not something surprising at all. Um, they often draft a year early, uh, but they were able to fill those holes, you know, one a year early and then one a year after with, uh, you know, the drafting of Kylan Hill. So we'll go over their Packers draft strategy in depth more in the offseason. I have a lot of plans. Um for that, we also are going to cover uh, the prospects pretty in-depth. I know, I think I'm going to make the trip to the Shrine game because my old boss, uh, when I was doing XFL stuff, Eric Galco is running that game now, and it's during Pro Bowl week, so maybe I'll be able to talk to some Packers there. Also, it's a short flight from the West Coast, so I think I'm going to make uh, Vegas instead of Mobile this year, so that's that's kind of going to be my plan this offseason, but we'll talk about Packers draft strategy moving forward. I, I, I'll just say about running backs. They're still very height, weight, speed. Um, I think that matters a lot to them. They don't overvalue running backs, though. I mean, outside of Eddie Lacy, it's hard to find a running back that they've spent a high pick on outside of A.J. Dillon. I know A.J. Dillon might have been a surprise pick for, for many, and many people didn't see it at the time, but the Packers must have obviously thought he had a world of talent, and I think he's kind of showing that right now. Um, there was one more question. Uh, is this the end or the uh, Carson Sloan? Is this the end for John Schneider? I think it might be. They've done a very bad job of drafting recently. They piss away first-round picks. Um, John Schneider, by the way, the uh, general manager of the Seattle Seahawks. Um, they ruin draft picks. Uh, they have guys like LJ Collier, who was like a 23-year-old who basically had no production as like a non-penetration defensive lineman from TCU. Um, they got you know enamored with him at the Senior Bowl and ended up drafting him in the first round. He is being, you know, a healthy scratch in these games, and he was drafted in 2019. They're missing on too many of these draft picks. I, I, I think it's uh, close to curtain call for John Schneider. I know he just got an extension. He just got um, power over the 53-man roster over Pete Carroll, which is something that he had for a long time. But I would put a lot more of these issues that Seattle has on the shoulders of John Schneider than I would Pete Carroll. Um, that's it again. Uh, keep it tuned into Agme Packing Company. Um, if you're listening to this, it's probably a Monday. Uh, hopefully, we get some news on the Jair Alexander, Zadarius Smith situations. Um, if not, you know, keep an eye open for uh, quotes from uh, Matt Lafleur's press conferences. We'll have those up on the site. Um, if you guys want, we'll probably be doing these more often. You know, in terms of the mailbag question episodes, we'll probably be doing more of these in the off season. Um, but if you guys want to rate and review the podcast and drop it in like iTunes, um, I can promise that if you drop a question and you leave it half decent review, um, we'll be able to answer those questions either on, uh, the Friday episode or the Monday episode at the very least, uh, because I'll be on, you know, each of those. So if you guys want to do that, that's a way to, to do it. Um, don't know how much you guys enjoy this kind of mailbag, uh, I guess layout. But uh, I guess we'll all see in the comments.
First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd all mom? No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower.